so thankful today we can live in the presence of God. Brother Kevin Keith has a prayer request for us to remember him on Wednesday having a doctor's appointment at Vanderbilt. We believe our Lord is certainly mindful of all the needs of his people. It seems like every day that we live in this life, there's so many more needs and requests. But at the same time, we hear and see so many wonderful things that our Lord is doing. He certainly knows how to encourage us in difficult times, does he not? How many has something on your heart today that you'd like to remember before the Lord? Just raise it there. Let's just pray together over these requests. Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor to be gathered together again, Lord, in the house of God. This place that we built so many years ago to be dedicated as a place where you and I, you and these people, you and the visitors that come would be able to meet together in a building that is set aside. We know it's not so much that this building itself is holy. As I stood a few years ago, Lord, in the archaeological digs of Shiloh, seeing the different stones and things that they had found that testified of different eras of time, I couldn't keep from thinking of at one time that was your place that you met with your people. But as grace moved on, the dispensation changed. It moved from there to another. Then, finally, to Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago, we know that Jerusalem became such a wicked, sinful place by the rejection of you. So your spirit was not just limited then to Jerusalem, but it moved around the world. So today, Father, we pray that you would help us as we are gathered in this place to realize we're not just limited to pray while we're here. As we heard Brother Louis testifying of Sister Glenda and Sister Lisa praying for her there. I told Brother Darrell being in the office, that's Jesus in the body. It's not just Jesus in the preacher. Jesus in the body. We're grateful for that. Father, we believe that the saints of God can pray prayers of faith just like a preacher can. So we're bringing before you today these hands that signify the request or maybe many. Lord, I... Remember, Brother Kevin Keith, that you'd be mindful of him going to Vanderbilt on Wednesday. You see, Father, the situation with his heart, and it's just kind of stumped the doctors as far as what to do. But may the presence of God be with our brother. May you help him, Lord. Father, I have in my hand today a prayer cloth. Lord Jesus, Brother Pink and Sister Phillips, Phillips, our daughter. You see the situation that she's in, Lord, been in the hospital and sick and The doctor's not very hopeful. But Lord, we believe that you're a God who moves when none can hinder. We ask you for her body, but Lord, we ask you for her soul and for peace, Father. Would you move on her heart today, Lord? Dear God, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God, I pray, move upon her and help her, Lord. Father, then as we approach your word, I'm so needy as I stand before your people today. Help me that I can say something that would be of encouragement to them, a strength to them. We call upon your name and believe these petitions will be granted to us according to the word of God. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. God bless you today. I'm just happy to be together. It's a privilege and an honor for us to be able to meet together again, once again in the house of the Lord, and we certainly appreciate all the things that God's helped us through in this last year. I just hope 2020 will memory and all those things that happened back there, 2021 will be better or worse, whichever, you know. Sometimes worse means better, but better don't always mean worse. Uh, so whatever the year holds, I'm not sure about that, but I'm glad I know who holds it. Amen. Amen. We certainly appreciate each of you and your lives and what you mean. We also like to acknowledge not only those that are present, but many that still don't feel comfortable in coming to church today and we want you to know that you're not forgotten that we love you and we miss you and uh, we certainly long for the time when we can all be together mask free y'all like them things any better really i hate them so y'all y'all say y'all to try to wear them and and, and being in church i can't imagine i'm just glad in my position y'all don't require me to Oh my goodness, that would be something. I'm going to probably catch on fire as fast as I talk anyway. <laughs> We're so glad to have Brother Dan and Sister Judy Dyer back with us today. We're just so, so thankful. That <clears throat> Amen. You know, we're a family. And when you're not here, we, we miss you. We love you. Let's turn together today, if you would, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. We certainly want to continue to remember the Gisson Danner family. The Lord will just help them and strengthen them and give them what they need during the time of the departure of our brother. We certainly don't feel sorry for those who are ready to meet the Lord and gone on. As a matter of fact, we envy them. The battle is over. The journey is complete. But for those of us that are still left here, the loneliness, the sadness, we certainly need help with that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. I know that you believe it already, but by him coming to the earth the way that he did, Paul says it in Corinthians that through his poverty, we might be made rich. Poverty. You imagine God experiencing poverty. Poverty, not just not having a place that was his own. As far as I know, Jesus never owned a plot of ground. Had one garment um, that they split, uh, divided, there it is, crucifixion. Did not own cattle, sheep, goats, camels, as far as already owning anything. But that was part of the plan, that he would become so very poor. He was homeless. Had not been for his friends, he would have actually been destitute. Now, we know that how sad it would be. You see him here in Johnson City all the time. People's on the side of the road, homeless, anything helps. God bless you, Vietnam vet. You know, who knows if they're even telling the truth or not. But the Lord Jesus actually was homeless. So the foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, he said. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So no matter what, how little you have in this day, remember, you had more than he did. 
And yet he left such wealth, such treasure, such riches. Why? So we could be made rich through his poverty. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Listen to this in uniting time and sign. What a unity when God united himself in a human body, the principle, the greatest of all the unitings that was ever done was when God was united with man and left his great strain of being God, left his great strain of being God and stretched forth his tent and took in humanity and become one of them through unity. That what? This is the reason. That brought peace between God and man forever. How thankful we are. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. For most people, this is a story that they cannot relate to. Because in reality, most humans spend their life about all they can get. Actually, life is not about all you get. You don't get rewarded when you stand before the Lord for all you've got, but more so for what you've given away. For Laodicean people, it's more about what I am, what I own, who I am, my name, my popularity, my possessions. The possessions aren't sin, unless, of course, we allow them to be sin. But for him, it was not about all that he could get. It was not about him becoming greater in the sense of man's way of thinking of great. For man did not understand greatness. Even his people, by national choice, the Jews, by the time he had arrived, greatness had so changed its role, and their perception of greatness was so far away from what God had intended for them to see it. Today, I'm afraid it's the same thing. It always comes this way at the end of a dispensational change, that values become traded, and what at one time was considered excellent, marvelous, wonderful, something to be sought after. When it comes to an end of a dispensation, those things become 
less of value, not really tolerated anymore, not sought, not looked after, to be desired. And those things which before would have been awful, terrible, horrendous, unthinkable, they become the things of value. I hope you understand where we have arrived again. It's easy to see by the way our nation is going. It's easy to see by the new president who is appointing to be this and that and the other. It's easy to see Abraham Lincoln would turn over in his grave. John Quincy Adams, even no farther back than FDR and many of the men whenever we were young kids, they would have never thought our nation would have ever got to a spot to where it is today. And yet, it will get worse. But why? Because man exchanges things that are valuable. Now remember the prophet when he stood there in 1956 in his tabernacle and told the people that he believed this year, 1956, would be a turning point. And he predicted that America would turn down God. Well, if you will look at sin, you will look at the world, you will look at what's transpired since sin, it's easy to see it's gone that way. You know, people become weary sometimes because the prophetic wheels or the cogs of prophecy may turn ever so slow. Uh, I never did own a new bicycle in my life. But what I owned was bicycles that I would get a part of this and a part of that and fix this or fix that. A cousin of mine won a bicycle one time at a race. And he gave me his old bicycle. Now that was about as close as I ever got to having a new one. And it had probably 50 or 60,000 miles on it, as we'd say. Uh, Needed to be painted. Uh, the, the chain was this and that. But w- one day I got to where, and I, I'm ashamed to say it, but it wasn't too long before me and Carol got married, <laughs> that I, I was actually trade, I was able to trade around and get a 10-speed bicycle. Now, I was so curious. I always had a curious makeup. Gets me in trouble, of course. But how's that by the changing of the sprockets on those of you that understand that, by changing the sprockets and the gears, that it would make that a 10 speed. Now, all I'd ever had, of course, was, was just the single speed. But I look at that and I studied that sprocket. And here was one, say, this big. And then there was another one that was smaller upon the pedals. And there was a little exchange unit on the top of it. Then back on the back wheel was several different sizes of sprockets and an exchange unit there. And in order to understand this thing, I felt like I needed to take it apart. Now, thankfully, I was better than taking that apart than I was a typewriter that Carol had one time that had one key, just one simple key that was not striking. So I felt like, surely, I could fix it. Have y'all heard this story before? You're acting like you have. Well, needless to say, I had all kinds of parts left over. 
when I got done with that typewriter. But the problem was, instead of having one key that didn't work, none of them worked. So I realized quick, I was not a typewriter mechanic. But the bicycle became such a curious thing. And as I looked at it, and I finally figured it out, and I realized that it was, I didn't understand very much about physics then, and I sure don't now, but I read about it in school. And as I looked at the way that it worked, it was a mathematic understanding that by taking a certain sprocket, the size you would make it, would make it easier for the individual to pedal, but you wouldn't have as much thrust and you wouldn't have as much power. So you could start out in whatever speed that you wanted to, and then you flip it and flip it and flip it, and you're able, as you get faster and faster, to change it up to speed 10. Once you gain your momentum, and remember it's all about physics, once you gain your momentum and you trade it over to speed 10, actually you reach the full potential of the bicycle. But to start out in that gear, it was almost impossible. Those of you that's had them, you know. And the gears, if I can say it that way, of prophecy, sometimes they, they go so slow and they turn so slow. And then as the momentum gains and the spiritual dynamics and the spiritual physics of God begin to happen, it's like you get in gear 10 and the things are happening so fast that you look around and think, Lord, have mercy, where are we? What in the world is going on? And we know that God, of course, allowed the messianic prophecies to start coming out since it come from his mouth first and started telling of a great one that would come. It was very obscure in the way that God said it. You can see why naturally people would look at it from the perspective of thinking it would be a great general that would come and conquer. It would be the serpent bruiser. It would be a Messiah in full power. They never grouped together that this Messiah would be so humbled and so small that he would be born in a manger, born and laid in a manger, born in a stable, of such beginnings that would be so, oh my, so overlooked and so humble, but yet God chose this way. So they looked at the promise that he said to David, of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. They looked at Genesis 3, what God said, that he would bruise the serpent's head. They looked at Isaiah 61, Isaiah 45, Zechariah 6.12. They looked at Jeremiah 31. They looked at Habakkuk 2. They also looked at Haggai 2.7. They looked at Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 9.6, Isaiah 35.3. Behold, your God shall come. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart. They looked at Deuteronomy 18.15. Behold, the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet liken unto me. And they looked at different various passages and psalms. 
but they could not reconcile it all together. No, my, the one that we all love so dearly. Psalm 23. But look at the preceding Psalm before Psalm 23, which is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All my bones, they stare at me. They pooch out their lips. They do all of these things. And Psalm 22 preceded the victorious flock of Psalm 23. As we look at the way God does things to man, to science, to civilization, it makes no sense at all. And this is why many times the wise, the educated, the intellectual people, um, oh my, they step right over the humility and the simplicity of God. To believe that God could be born and laid in a manger. To believe that God would become so poor that he would only have one change of garments. To believe that God would never own a house, a horse, a donkey, a chicken, a cow, nothing. To believe that he would be so obscure, he would appear under the auspices of a name that would be one of the most hated, and that was illegitimate. Commonly believed and taught in that day that his mother was with child by a Roman soldier. So that would have made him, of course, a bastard child. Not only that, but a hybrid between a Jew and a Roman. He allowed himself to bear such things in order to become poor. You see, to be poor is not just necessarily to lack material goods. He had all this splendor and all this honor, but he must be poor of honor. He must become poor of splendor. He must become poor of respect. He must become poor in the aspect of worship. He must become poor in the aspect of adoration. Hard for you and I to imagine that there before the throne of God, the great eminence of this great light, here is the only physical form that God has, which is the Logos. Looks like a man, talks like a man, acts similar to a man's actions, and in that form is the form that the great plan is predetermined to come to the earth. But he does not come in that form but he empties out of that form and is born like any ordinary baby, seemingly. And he lays aside the splendor of millions and millions of angels, angels by the myriads that are there before his throne. They worship, they adore, oh my, they, they love him and they've been doing so for, for thousands and thousands of years, but he became poor to praise, poor to tribute, poor to honor, poor to respect. Left all of that in heaven and come to the earth and had a handful of people that ever really knew who he was. And we get reproached a little bit for the word and we cry and bellyache and act like we've given up so much. What if God in exchanging the poverty of the honor of the world. 
will make us. I hope you understand where I'm going this morning. God, by His grace, knowing that He Himself would come this way, would it be a marvel to us then that there's no way we can have riches of Laodicea, that we could be looked up to, honored, respected, my, that all the world would think we're so great and be rich in God at the same time. You see, it does not work that way. Now, God allowed certain kings of Israel to be able to share both. David had an element of that. Solomon had more. Some of the following kings had some as well. But when you come to the New Testament, the kenosis of God himself now reverses this order to where the majority of the people of God from that time on will not be great sought after people. They will not be people that the world will look at and say, oh my, how great, how wonderful, how these people are this and that and the other. Nope, they will hate them. They will despise them, praise the Lord. They will turn them down. But if you only look at it the right way, the sign that you are robbed and that you are living in an impoverished world of poverty when it comes to the world honoring you and the world recognizing you and the world adoring you. But if you look on the other hand, you are rich in Christ Jesus. Now, the difficult part is most of us, the human element of ours, it's not that we want to give up our Lord Jesus. It's not, Brother Darrell, that we want to deny him. It's not that we're just looking, most of us, we're not looking for a flowery bed of ease, but we really wish in reality that we wouldn't have to be so reproached by so many out here. I'm sure it would be easier for the majority of our sisters if they was not looked at and ridiculed for the last several years. Uh, long hair has been the fashion and the style. So it's, you know, there's many, many people with long hair. They may have lipstick, makeup, britches on at the same time. But at least long hair itself now is the style. But the daughters of God have it when it's in style or out of style. You know, skirts may come back in and, and dresses may come back in, but the daughters of God don't wear dresses just when they come back in. It just makes it easier for them to buy them. They wear them when they're in or where they're out. They may have to wear some that's out of style because they can't find nothing decent enough. Well, praise the Lord. Now, it would, in that sense, you think, well, do we have to go that way? Look at Brother Branham and his ministry that God gave him and how that even I was looking at a video clip this morning of some charismatic Pentecostal guys and they were acknowledging that Brother Branham was a prophet of God and that he had the greatest ministry of any that had been on the face of the earth, even back to the apostolic days next to the Lord Jesus. Now to me, God is making these people witness them this sort of thing to be a voice against those that are turning away and said he ain't a prophet. That's right. And years I heard these men and they were talking about the visions and the miracles and the things that God did in the ministry of Brother Branham. Now you think, you know, no doubt Brother Branham would have loved to have been able to continue on and do what he did for the kingdom of God. But we also know that he battled this thing of being rejected. 
He battled this and, and standing in the gap and three months after the seals are open, whenever he's going through this cycle again and it come back because as a man, it bothered him. It bothers me. It bothers, I think, most anybody here that wants to be accepted and wants to be loved. You've heard me say it before. As a little boy, I never did have very many friends, so if I had one, I really didn't want to lose them. I always wanted, you know, to have friends and be liked and yet God, you know, people think God don't have a sense of humor. Huh, you don't know him the way I know it. God has a great sense of humor. He'll make you a certain way and then make that way he made you work against you in the spiritual way. So you look at it for those who are hermits and want to live by themselves on an island somewhere, uh, more than likely God ain't going to do much with them folks. But it's them that really they want to be loved and they want to be accepted and the prophet did. So he moves into a sphere of poverty in the time that he was here. Now I'm talking about his house and his car, but I'm talking about his position was never honored. The gift of God that God had in that man's life, it was never honored, never really looked up to by his peers the way that it should have been. I hope this don't shock you too much, but it's actually supposed to be that way. I sincerely doubt there's ever been a man of God that ever lived on the earth that ever saw the full scope of what God called him to be and the full scope of the outreach of what he would do. Myself, I think that Brother Brandon would be overwhelmed to look around. Now think of it, this is why I feel when I go overseas and preach, that I am allowed to go preach and message churches that the messenger was never able to preach him. Brother Branham's church is a message church. Junior Jackson up the road, a little group in Sierra Vista, a little group, you know, in Arizona and here and there and there, and a few up in Canada. Brother Branham never got to go and preach in message churches because there were just a very small handful of them. And yet, so where, where did he preach the rapture? For gospel businessmen's breakfast. Not at a message church. And the people were standing in the back and they were cleaning the tables, waving their hands. Brother Carl Williams was there and Brother Earl's son. And he told me they got so aggravated at the people because they were standing back there trying to shut Brother Branham up. I'm so glad he didn't shut up. I'm so glad he kept going. What a paramount sermon that we have. But yet here they were trying to hush him up. He acknowledges it if you listen to the tape. These people here, he said, you took an offering, we'll just take that and pay. But he kept right on going. Oh, you imagine how Brother Branham would have loved to walk into Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ and be able to greet us as message believers and be able to preach the rapture, oh my, or the things that he preached. But he was willing to become poor and impoverished. Now we know that he chose actually to be a, a poor man when it comes to money wise and all of that. But what I'm looking at this morning is not just poor in the things of the world, but in honor and in respect and in the things that the world soul loves. And to be honest, our flesh loves it. Which one among us does not like to be bragged on? Which one of us likes to be bragged on? All right, I'm stopping right now and I'm catching that line devil off the rest of you. We like to know we are appreciated. We like to know that we are loved. We like to know that the work that we're doing is a good work, praise the Lord. And because of where we are being so rich, we have to be so poor because of the position of kenosis. 
Now watch this in Ephesians 1.18. The eyes of your understanding, oh my, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now look at it in verse seven above it. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So we have riches of his grace and then the riches of the glory of God which is revealed by the inheritance in the saints. And we have great wealth today. Now I'm talking about houses and lands now, but I'm talking about spiritual riches and spiritual treasures and inheritance. And yet at the same time, we're not gonna be able to be rich in honor among the world. We're not gonna be rich in being lifted up and so on. As a matter of fact, it looks like to me, the closer we get to the end of the world, the more the press will come against us and we will be vilified. We will be looked down on. They will look for every reason to be able to uh, get us off of YouTube, get us off of streaming and this and that and the other. Why? Because we are are not honorable in their sight. It will come to pass that the ministers that are considered acceptable in the last days will be compromisers on sex and gender. They will be compromisers on marriage, that really marriage is not one man and one woman. They will be compromisers, but yet they will be the ones by politicians and by our system that will be heralded. You don't find them asking me to come and pray at the White House, do you? You don't find them asking my little buddy, Brother Tim Pruitt, to come up there and pray over the Senate. They'd have him arrested 10 minutes after he prayed. Can you imagine Brother Ron Spencer walking in there and praying or some of our brothers around the world? Oh my, Brother Darrell standing up and praying. They'd shut that man down before he ever got the amen out of his mouth. Why? Because we are poor in respect. We are poor in tribute. The Lord Jesus was so vilified. He was so, oh, so beaten down, so overlooked. He would have been of so much less value than Caiaphas or Annas, the high priest. He would have had so much less value. If Annas would have called together, he could have called together thousands. And when the Lord Jesus called his together, he called together 12. One of them was the devil. If they would have called together Rome, their great emperors, Pontius Pilate, and the different people would have called together, it would have been the great, the rich, the wonderful, so-called, all of those of the world. And yet the Lord Jesus, when he called together and they went up to the day of Pentecost, where was the 5,000 that ate the bread? and the fishes, and the 7,000 that ate the bread and the fishes, because folks would rather have bread than fishes than have the Holy Ghost. So when he called his elect together to get the Holy Ghost, that was 120 in the upper room. Is that right? So we can see in order to have great wealth in Christ Jesus. Now you see, this is where we differ so much than the church natural. Because the church natural wants the wealth of Christ. They want riches of understanding. They want riches of blessing. They want the riches of grace and the riches of all of that. But they also want all that they can haul in together of Laodicea. And if they have to compromise to get it, they will gladly do it. Come on, saints. 
I hate to say it, but we've got men in the message it's exactly the same way that will not preach against certain things that the prophet taught. They will not stand against certain things that the prophet taught because they want a crowd more than the cloud. I'd rather have the cloud any day. If I wind up with a handful, so be it, to know that I'm in the will of God. Is that right, church? But think about it that most people would love to have their hand upon Laodicea and the wealth and the riches and the honor and so on and so on because we as humans know how that is. You might be a very poor person as far as in the natural sense, but yet you could be very well loved and very well liked among your peers at work. As long as you don't say anything against their politics or anything against, you know, whatever is socially acceptable in the day we're living. Well, come on now. It's evident that Facebook and Twitter and all these other things is fixing to really clamp down on folks who say this thing against the leftist agenda. And it may be to where that they try to shut us preachers up. Well, let me just give the devil a heads up. If they do, I'll start preaching in code. We'll be like the Navajo talkers. We can still preach the truth of the word of God and you'll know what I'm talking about and they're just standing there baffled. It'll be code to them, but it won't be code to us because we're part of the initiated. Well, praise be to God. We are not gonna stop preaching the truth. Come on, saints, hallelujah. Oh, yes, we have the riches of Christ, embodiment of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is part of the advent of his parousia. That is the Greek word which means his presence that would come to the earth. And John identifies two phases of that. Notice this, so the truth is in the promised glory of God already manifest in the church. Watch this in Ephesians 2, 6. Hath raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, now this is part of the glory that'll be imparted then, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Can you imagine the exceeding riches of his grace will still be unfolding after the body change. And his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus, Ephesians 3, 8, unto me who am least than the least of all saints in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now you see, this is what many of the people want. As I heard this minister, and I saw a video of him one day or earlier this week, and he was talking about, again, about Brother Branham and talking about the great gift that he had. And could Brother Branham have seen Kamala Harris in her purple outfit? And you've seen all that sort of stuff. Whether it is or whether it ain't, I really don't know. But I find it really interesting that these Pentecostal preachers are now looking at it and saying, could this have been what he saw? Was this the vision and now they are quoting quotes from the message that we get a crucified for and they're charismatic and Pentecostal and so on and yet them saying and the man said well I'm not going to go into too much detail of where I got these books I thought you yellow bellied coward I guess not you don't want your people to know where it comes from come on saints but I'll tell you one thing myself and other men of God around this message are not ashamed to stand and say and as Paul told Timothy don't be ashamed of me the messenger his prison 
Oh yeah, they like to sneak. Don't you understand why they got to do it? Because Pentecost is dead. It's dried up. It's been dead for years and years and they've got to feed on something. So they go into their study and they secretly feed on the message of the hour. You listen to some of them. You realize where they're getting some of those things and there are people screaming, hollering, shouting. I think you bunch of hypocrites standing up there and preaching the message of a vindicated prophet and won't let the people know where you got it. I'm gonna let you know where mine comes from. I feed from a source, brother, that is heavenly manna. I'm not ashamed to tell you, hallelujah, I listen to tapes. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I follow the message of Malachi 4. Not only follow it, I believe it, I am it, and it's gonna change my body one day and get me out of this place. Notice this in Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Do we look at this as riches? That when you are down and weary and low and you don't know what to do and God actually gives you riches when he lifts your spirit. That when you don't think you can push it any farther, well, it's just a little bit of blessing. It was his riches. It's the riches of God. But you cannot be loved by the world, liked by the world, and everybody of the world. I ain't talking about you having friends with people out there. I'm just talking about you and I thinking that we're ever gonna get the respect and the honor and so on. Never will it be, friend, because we must forfeit the riches of Laodicea. And when it comes to honor and respect, don't you think I preach long enough to know if I'd compromise this and this and this and this and not mention it no more. We got good music. We got good singers. We got talented people that are here. Don't you think I know that? If we would shut up on this and that and the other, my, we could have a church way bigger than this. But why in the world would I want to do that and lead you straight to the tribulation period? And myself wind up standing before God and God himself looking at me and calling me a compromiser. It ain't gonna happen as long as I'm in my right mind. Notice this, Colossians 1, 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. The riches of the glory, conjunction, riches of this glory of this mystery. Among the Gentiles, which is Christ, in you, the hope of glory. You see what a treasure trove that God has given to his people for those who are willing to suffer for him. But you see, when we do this, we'll never really be blessed by these types of riches. When we hold on to honor and trust well, you know, I really hate to let people know where I go to church. I hate to let them know this and that and the other. I, I'm just afraid people won't like me no more. You'll never go very far in God. Amen. Oh, I'm not saying that you won't be saved. I'm not saying that there won't be things that God will do for you. But you will never be a rich man or a rich woman if you're ashamed of the truth. Oh, my. Can you imagine our Lord Jesus forfeiting honor, pleasure, praise, adoration, 
to come and get a wife that was so filthy, so ungodly, so unclean. That's what we were. But he laid aside honor, the greatest being that ever was to be called Beelzebub. Say we not well, thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. So he becomes so poor. Watch this, Paul in Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. You see, this is the picture of kenosis reversed. Once the incarnative work was completed, it released the Lord Jesus to return back into that heavenly form and actually glorify his human body. Don't misunderstand me. He lived as a human, ate as a human, died as a human. It would not have been enough for him to just raise from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus died again. He raised the widow from Nain's son and he raised different ones in the Bible. But they all died again. But he did not just come to life again. Glory to God. But he actually caused his own body to move into the realm of eternity. He raised from the dead and stepped over the time barrier and stepped into eternity. That's why he could walk right through a wall. Why? A wall consists of atoms, light, molecules, and so on. But in that dimension, he could walk right through a solid substance. Lazarus couldn't do that in his resurrected body. Because Lazarus was raised, but not changed. And this is why Paul said that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What happened to him was that he entered back into a phase of riches which he had previously owned, which he could not bring with him on this journey. He must lay that aside or they could have never crucified his body. They would have tried to drive nails in it and the nails would have bounced off. He couldn't have felt pain, anxiety, stress, or a headache, or sickness, or anything. But he laid aside the riches of his glorified body. Oh, children, can't you see what happens when one of ours moves beyond this realm? Don't you see what happens? They end this race of mortality. Their journey as a mortal is finished. And they entered back into that theophany, which was the word. Praise be to God. They end the time of mortality. Lord Jesus, I, I wonder. Carol asked me yesterday, I think it was, she said, 
Reckon Randy's already run into Sharon, talking about her sister Sharon. She said, I, I know he, he knew her and prayed for her and stuff. I said, I don't know, I imagine. You imagine how the saints of God, when they move into that spot, or if we could hear back from a few of them, my, what they would tell us. We've dreamed about it, we've sung about it, we've talked about it, but we have not yet experienced those riches. But the riches that we have obtained to from the soul have so illuminated us. If that there is greater, and we know it is, I can't wait to get it. Hallelujah. It's like your kids, if you had the money to do it when they were at home, and you would assign them certain chores and do this and that, and you would say, we'll give you an allowance and we'll let you do this and do this. Sort of like what Father has done. Father's given us a deposit. Amen. It's a little bit of an allowance of our inheritance. So he gives us an allowance of the riches that can be endowed to our soul now. Notice this, Paul goes on to say in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath chosen you, all glory to God, from the beginning chosen you. You never chose him, I never chose him, but God hath from the beginning chosen you. And this is what you're chosen for, to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. I'm not just chose to be saved. I'm not just chose to be sanctified. I'm chosen to believe the volume of the book. I am, notice he doesn't say a truth, some truth, partial truth, but some people are chosen to believe the truth. They are chosen to believe the epitome of the word. This is what it was sitting of him. Oh my, written in the Old Testament. Lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do thy will, oh God. I don't want the finger of the Lord Jesus. I don't want the hand of the Lord Jesus, which is what Pentecost wants. The hand of the Lord Jesus moves the miracles and the supernatural, Brother Darrell. I don't want just the hand. I want the eyes. I want the ears. I want the heart. I want the feet. I want him. Him as a person. Notice in verse 14, whereunto he called you. And he wasn't bashful nor backwards by the means that God called the church in Thessalonica. By our. Can you imagine a man being so brazen to say that they were begotten by the word he preached? Why? Because Paul believed the truth was in Jesus and he was preaching Jesus. Or maybe I can say it better if I sing it this way. Jesus was preaching through him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh my. Titus 2.13. Looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing. Of the great God. And our savior. Jesus Christ. That's who my God is. Who gave himself. For us, that he might redeem us 
from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar. Now this does not mean what you think. Odd, weird, strange. That's what we think by the English word. But the Greek word defines it much more clearly. Look at the word. That which is one's own, belonging to one's possessions, a people selected by God from the other nations for his own possession. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Friends, don't you see this is part of the riches that his poverty brought to us? This is why we must not feel sad. We must not feel that God has forsaken us. When people run down and laugh and ridicule and so on and so on, and whatever our government will be allowed to do, don't sit around and under fear and trauma. Oh God, what are they going to do? Oh no, oh no, I better keep my eyes on, on, the, on the newspaper. I better, you know, maybe we should get us a hole in the ground somewhere. I ain't looking for no hole in the ground. I'm looking for one in the sky. Oh, we, we better start saving food and, and we better start doing this. My, my, they're going to bring a persecution against it. Don't go that way. You'll wind up like a bunch of these other nuts that move off to some place. I'll tell you what you need to be studying, the word of God to get closer to the Lord. You need to be more consecrated. I'm not telling you don't listen to your radio and things like that, but don't fill your spirit with such nonsense. What's this? It was typed in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 32, 9. Think of this. For the Lord's portion is his people. Again, I bring it back to what I spoke last Sunday. Can you imagine you and I are his wells? Carol and I was talking about it after the service and she said, I felt like what you said most of my life, being a Christian, I've been a detriment to God, a debt to God. But he looks at us and says, you are my treasure. You know, it was a custom, still is actually. We looked at it in the Song of Solomon, that a man's wealth was not just houses and lands and animals. But if a man had gold, silver, bronze, precious metals, jewels, he actually, he actually would have an artisan and he would take his wife to this artisan's shop and he would let this artisan design rings Crowns, bracelets, amulets, different types of things. You know, the man would take what he had. Glory to God. This is what I have. I want you to transform it into something my queen can wear. Glory to God. So you knew a lot about a man's wealth in that time frame. And still some of the Bedouins and some of the tribes to this very day, the same way. So you wouldn't just look at his cattle or his camels or all of that, but you would look at his wife. Now if she had on stuff from big lots, no matter what that man said, you know he was poor and I don't know what. 
Boris Job's turkey. Now, you might say I'm this and that and the other, but you said I saw that same thing at Big Lots yesterday for $1.99. He's trying to trick us, which is what a lot of people do in this day. They want to tell us they're this and that and the other when they got on costume jewelry. It was an artisan, all right, Ching Long Lee. Well, praise the Lord. He works in Wuhan. <laughs> now you imagine the woman. Maybe she was a poor Bedouin girl and did not have much. But here her husband takes her. Glory to God. And the artisan begins to measure her head, her feet, her hands. And he begins to draw and put things together. Well, I could take the diamond. I could take the topaz. I could do this and that and the other. Maybe the husband would stand there and look at it and say, that's not complimentary to who she is because my wife don't wear many skirts. Well, I could make this and this, but her hair is in the way, so we'd have to cut her hair off. He said, my wife don't cut her hair. But they would finally reach a design with what he had. Oh, Lord, children, our husband has so much grace, so much mercy, so much pardon, so many treasures. And what does he do? He calls his men, his men servants, and he inspires their mind. By design, this is why we needed a prophet so he'd be able to catch the design of the day. Paul called it in his day. Luther called it in his day. Wesley in his day. The design of what the church needed to dress up like. Don't you see when the true Lutherans stepped out, they stepped out of Catholicism, dressed up in the attire of justification. In Wesley's day, they stepped out under the attire as that man, the artisan of God, hallelujah, caught the revelation of the day of that the church must be sanctified. Under Pentecost, they got the restoration of gifts. But God said, no, I will restore, saith the Lord. So he takes a prophet. And the prophet is the eyes. So the prophet can look back, and it goes back, and it goes back, and he pulls up the original design. It says, right here, they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, here we are, we're baptized in titles. Well, that won't work. Here, the original plan says, they're in that original bride. They did this, and they did that, and that. Well, where in the world did the women preachers come from? Where'd this eternal hell come from? Where'd all this come from? And he begins to pull into the sight. He begins to say, may God crown my ministry with this, that I can take the cloths of the word and dress the bride. So he called a vision of this day. Every true servant of God gets under that unction, Brother Darrell, of what the design is. It's easy to see a lot of men have left their design. So they've got this agenda and that agenda and that agenda. I don't want my agenda. I don't want something else that people say. I want to go back to the original design. If this is what God ordained his bride to be, don't we want to be what he ordained us to be? 
So you imagine this wealthy man that has spent years accumulating this wealth and he leaves these riches, topaz, carbuncle, sardis, rubies, emeralds. And he walks out of that pastor study. I, I, I mean that artisan shop. And he says, I'm letting you see it. Take it to him. And the artisan sits there in the quietness of the room under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And he's trembling, shaking, saying, Oh God, oh God, oh God, is this true? Is it? Can't you see why a real minister? gets so nervous and so so tore up when he walks out. If God wanted to take emeralds and a diamond and a topaz and chrysanthemum, whatever more, and make it into a crown, and I turn it into a bracelet, I've totally missed the thought. If I go to Big Lots and buy you one and I stick it in my pocket... I stick the real stuff in my pocket and hoard it or waste it. Oh my. Oh, you imagine as he goes back from time to time and says, how's it coming? Reaches over. Maybe the king's eye has an eye for such treasure. Sling there. Royal Under the light. Oh, that is her. That is her. She'll love it. Are you pleased, sir? Are you pleased? It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But what about the wedding band of grace? Actually, I thought about that, but you told me you done had that made for before the foundation of the world. So I thought I'd leave that one to you. And this poor little wife, she goes to church, she goes to work, lives her everyday life. Most of them will look at themselves and think, I never did really do much for God. I cook meals for my family. If it's a woman, especially if sisters have less, really, in that sense, to honor about. Cook meals for my family. My husband was a preacher, packed his clothes, ironed his suits for him, his shirts. People know him around the world. Many of them don't know me. So I've never really done nothing for God. And God has this crown for pastor's wives, for evangelist's wives. They get so overlooked, but all how they be crowned that day. Some of you have never stood up here and sung a special. Some of you have never stood and prophesied. You've never stood under the inspiration of the Spirit of God to allow you to speak in tongues and pray over people in another language and watch God through that angelic tongue set that person free. You've heard it done and you, you long to do it. And you say, 
well, I've never really led a lot of people to Christ. I've never done this and that. But the artisans are working on you. They're preparing. They're getting you ready. You see, friends, it's not just what you do. Do whatever thing God's put in your hands. It's what you are becoming. You see, we focus so much on doing what I want to do and I want to accomplish. I want one of the greatest things you can accomplish. As the prophet said, if he could get her to stand still long enough. He said, whenever Eliezer went there to find the bride and he found Rebecca. But she had to stand still. And what did he do? He put rings on her fingers. He, he crowned her with all of this. Why? He was a messenger sent from the presence of Abraham. Amen. Look at the riches that God has given to us. And if we're not careful, we will so focus on the negative side of the riches of Laodicea that we don't have. What's this in Exodus 19, 5? Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Peculiar is possession, valued property. Peculiar. Treasure unto me above all people. So God in the Old Testament, displayed his unchanging nature in that he chose a certain people to be above other people. We say, can't do that. You tell him that. And he would take them people and make them people his peculiar treasure. Psalm 135.4, for the Lord had chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. So where does gold come from? Out of the earth. Silver, out of the earth. Emeralds, diamonds, Amen. jasper, jade. Look at all these things. Where do they come from? Precious gemstones out of where? The earth. You and I will be able to go out there and look and dig around and dig around and no doubt, no doubt in my mind. I've been to the, some of the diamond places and the gold places of the world where they dig them out and me looking right at it, I'd never even know it. Because I'm looking for it in the finished form like at Kay's Jewelry Store. And you know what? It, oh, it don't look that way when you find it. It don't look that way. It's not all beautiful and green and polished and every facet is cut to reflect the light. That's after someone who knows what they're doing takes that beautiful gem and studies it. God finds us, we're dirt covered and moss covered. We look awful. I was reading not long ago of the largest diamond that had ever been found up to that time. How much it weighed and the carat size that it was. Worth millions and millions of dollars. But they didn't take it straight away and cut it. But they x-rayed it. They sent it through different scans. Because you know the way diamonds are made, they're made from carbon. And they have inclusions, unless they're the other kind that's so expensive none of us could buy them anyway. And they will rate them according to the inclusions. Those inclusions will be a defect on the inside. To the common eye, the average person never looks at it unless you get a jeweler's loop. Then you get the jeweler's loop and you look down and hold it like this and you bring it up. Then you'll be able to see if it's a VS 
or a VS1 or a VS2. And they were rated according to the inclusions. Hallelujah. And yet you would pay thousands times thousands of hundreds of thousands to get one that was very large with no inclusions. Hallelujah. And they look at it and they look at it. If we break it like this, it'll do this and it'll damage it. And it could split it. So they study it and they study it. They take months and months to study and know exactly how to break it to produce the most out of its life. We look at our trials of life and the difficulties of things that we go through. God, why? God, why? Because the great gemologist, he's looking at us. He's studying us. He's molding. He's going through the different things. And let's face facts, friends. There's part of it we will never understand until we get to the other side. When we get there, it won't matter no way. Amen. We'll understand all things then. But he looks at our lives and we're thinking, why would he allow this to happen? Or why would he allow that to happen? But we just have to trust our little sapphire life. We have to trust our little emerald life into the hands of him. But you see, it's hard on us because we want to be more, greater, bigger, larger. One of the greatest revelations you'll ever experience outside of the new birth is finding who and what you are and walking in that capacity and being so happy about it. And not looking around at everybody. I wish I was like them. I wish I was like that. I wish I was like that. Well, if God wanted you to be like them, he would have made you like them. What are you? Peculiar treasure. Not odd, strange, but a personal possession of the lamb. Laughed at, ridiculed. But Brother Donnie, why do we have to be so ridiculed? Don't you understand? We're like him. I don't want to just be like him and laying hands on the sick. I don't want to be like him and watch him as I lay my hands on people. Friends, you'd not believe the miracles I've seen the Lord Jesus do. You'd not believe the miracles that's happened in that man's ministry around the world. And I don't just want that. I want to be identified with him in poverty. As far as the world saying, they're crazy. Well, if we're so crazy, how come you contact us when you have special needs for prayer? By doing that, you're telling us we have a special pull on his ear that you don't have. Let's read this and we'll close. Colossians 3.10, have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of And the word image is icon. Now this is what makes the Catholic Church so blasphemous. This is what the Catholic Church puts in all of their places of worship. If you know anything about the religion, you know that they call them icons. They want nails. They want pieces of cloths. They want priest skulls. Yeah, they want priest skulls or priest femurs are priest's finger bones to be able to put in their churches everywhere so people can have an icon. God wants icons too. It's a skull, all right, but it's a skull with skin on it and eyeballs and a brain and hands and fingers, a live image that's projected 
that becomes the icon of God. Now, me, me having standing in some of those places, but there are some of you as well, going into these Catholic churches, and they will rub these things totally off. I sit in Mexico City several years ago, Brother George Smith, and watch and look at the great place there, thousands of thousands in the great center there in Mexico City, and watch as the priests prayed and supposedly changed that wine to the blood of Jesus. And supposedly changed that bread to the body of Jesus. Then we went up to this holy place where some saint had been up there. And we saw them men and women climbing up them rugged rock steps. Women on their bare knees. And they were so sore and bleeding where they were climbing up doing some type of penance. Trying to find peace with God. But God has given you a wealth of riches. But I'm not worthy of it, nor am I. It has nothing to do with my worthiness. It has everything to do with his choice. But let us take this treasure and hold it in our hearts. I'll tell you one thing. If you ain't done it in a while, you ought to sit down after church this evening sometime tomorrow before you go to bed tonight or sometime. Oh, my. And thank God for every revelation that's ever struck your soul. Every time he's forgive you. Every time. My, for your good wife, for your good husband, for your children, for a prophet of God, for every tape of God, ever, ever, my, every Bible that we have. Living in a nation where we can still, at least so far, be able to worship God. We ought to count our blessings. And you'll realize, brother, sister, in spite of all the things that we go through, God has been so good to us. He has given us so many treasures. But Brother Don, I'm getting kicked out of my house. My old car, the fender's about to fall. I ain't talking about Laodicea and riches. I'm talking about Christ. Riches. Hallelujah. Let's read the meaning of this word before we close. Icon. An image of the things the heavenly things used of the moral likeness of renewed men to God. The image of the Son of God into which Christians are transformed. The image of one, one in whom the likeness of anyone is seen. So instead of having a statue or some priest's hand, or some priest's skull. God wants to project the image of His Son in our lives, and that is God's icon. Oh, praise God. You rub every preacher's toe that ever preached and every head that ever preached, it won't do you one bit of good. But if I become an icon, if you become an icon to the living God, then somebody can get around us and their life can be changed if they want it to be. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, that you, my brother, sister, through his poverty might be made rich so is the world going to hate us of course sometimes even our families our friends they will turn their back on us and it'll hurt us sure it hurts us hurts us deep but if that's the trade off 
of having such riches of Christ. I ask you, is it not worth it? Oh, it'd be nice in the human sense if you can have riches of Christ in one hand, riches of honor, respect, integrity, so on and so on from the world in the eyes of others. But he did not. That's what makes you feel so sad for many of the church leaders of this day of the Laodiceans. They want both and they will not settle for less. They will never bear the entirety of the reproach of Christ. Many women will never, ever bear the reproach of dressing the way some of you sisters do. Many of the men, well, they have a hunger. Yeah, they, they, they know there's something different about you. But to trade off their family, misunderstanding them, being called a cult follower or whatever more, they'd never give it up. And you're poor in honor. You're poor in respect. Poor in the people of the world looking at you and thinking, wow, what great people. But who are the great ones today? Perverted. Who do people give honor to? People that come out of the closet. The left media makes them so great and so wonderful. Oh, so-and-so finally come out. They come out. Well, that was to their detriment and their damnation. They've been better off to got delivered in the ministry of some man of God somewhere. But what does the left do? Oh, my, they just, they just praise those that are against the religious right. They praise them. Oh, my. Hallelujah. But don't worry, children. Every service, your ornaments are being prepared. What a day it must be when that wealthy man takes his wife down to that artisan's house. She don't know it, but this is her last visit to church. Now, it can be that she's fixing to pass away, and we'd say in the natural sense, and she'll be buried in a grave somewhere. Or it could be it's her last day before the rapture. Either way, you're a winner. She walks into the artisan's house. He's not now out at the smolding, smoky workplace where the hammers are beating, but he's brought it into his house. Each one is setting their veil. And the master, the bridegroom says, show her what's hers. So he might start with her feet, her sandals. He might start with the bracelet, the rings on her hand, the necklace, or her crown. Praise God. As the artisan takes each piece and sets it on the little lady. You imagine if she's a true lady, how humble she feels. This is the wealth of her husband being transmitted to her. Imagine how easily she treads and walks and don't want to lose a piece of it and don't want to fall lest she would break it. That's a real person that understands grace. A person that don't try to do what they can do as much as wrong, but live on this side. Cherishing, honoring, reverencing. Father God, as we sit here today, we have come to the artisan shop again. I know that my handiwork 
It's nothing compared to the great men that have lived before me. Even to many great men that are alive today. But somehow or another, you call me to be also a crown maker. Hallelujah. You called me as part of the gospel ministry in this last day to dress your bride and help your bride get into her clothes. Get away from this understanding that she's worthless. She has no value. That's Satan that wants to tell us that. It's that old thinking of our Bedouin past. We was born lost, wretched. Our sins haunt us. But you send artisans our way to help change our thinking. Praise God. Set that crown as it were, Lord. Not so much gold and diamonds and so on. But crown our thinking today, Lord God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal as God. And Paul said, let this mind be in us, that was also in Christ Jesus. It would help us to transcend what we were born. The mind of Christ will help us to transcend our past, our failures, our shortcomings. And help us to accept the fact that he says we are worthy. We are his bride. We are his beloved. As he spoke to one of the church ages of the overcomers and said, Come and walk with me in white, for you are worthy. The only worthy one there was, calling members of his bride worthy. It'll take the mind of Christ crowning our thinking. We accept it today, Lord Jesus. Today may not be the final service in which we will receive our final crowning moving from this world into the realm of immortality, but I believe today has been another building service by which our ornaments will fit us better. May we walk out of here today not arrogant and proud in ourselves, but thanking God for grace, thanking God for mercy, thanking God for helping us to see who we are. Lord, if there's one here today that's sick, I pray you'd bring healing. Lord, as I come in and I drop Carol off up front, I saw the deacon brothers praying for Brother Eugene Kennedy. And I asked Brother J.D. about it, and he said that Brother Eugene had come to church and wanted to be in church today, if all possible, brought his wheelchair, hoping he'd be able to come in. But he was so weak when he got here, Father, he could just barely breathe. and Wasn't sure if he'd make it through the rest of the day. God, I pray for our brother. Sister Janet, Lord, you see the email that she sent me yesterday wanting to be in church today, God, because she needed to touch herself in her body. She's been faithful to her husband, Lord, watched over him, nurtured him, took care of him. 
I pray you'd minister to them both right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. They're not rich, wealthy in this world's goods. But may a little bit of Brother Eugene's allowance, glory to God, come down now, Lord, in his home. That's where he's at. Maybe a little bit of Sister Janet's future inheritance, which will be a new body. Divine healing is just a little bit of our allowance of a new body. May you come down right now, Father, where they are. In the name of Jesus, may you touch them, Lord God. My brother probably don't feel like it, but he's a rich man. I've seen you move for him so many times. Seen you touch him, seen you help him, seen you give him strength. He must still claim his healing. What is it? Riches of your grace. Riches of your grace. Father, others here, visible and invisible, streaming. In the name of Jesus, may the angels of the Lord go among the people of God today. Minister healing, strength, virtue. Granted, I pray, Lord God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Will the Queen of Heaven please stand to her feet in the presence of the great Almighty God? Hallelujah! May the Queen, the recipient of such riches of grace, divine favor, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. May we walk out of this place today with a greater display of the riches of our King than we've ever shown before. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. We were so poor. We were blind, wretched, miserable, and naked. But here today we stand fully clothed. Glory to God. We've got a crown on our head, shoes on our feet, a ring of grace on our hand. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're walking oracles of our husband's riches. A treasure trove of the wealth of God displayed through unmerited favor. Not because we deserve it, not because we are worthy, but because we are His peculiar people. Chosen personally by the Lord God. We worship You, Father. Oh, Jesus, bless Your holy name, Lord God. Oh, children, can we just love him a little bit? Brother Donnie, I, I don't feel anything. Well, maybe he's wanting you to love him first. Maybe he's just wanting you to worship him first. And then as you just move into them courts, you'll sense that, sense that August presence. I wonder, friends, the angels of God that have lived in that presence, I wonder if they feel anything. We so talk about feeling and make so much about feeling. I wonder if they feel anything 
Or is it not just a sense that's a higher realm than feeling? That they know, that they know, that they know they're in the presence of Almighty God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. this way if you would Sister Judy Dyer's give me a prayer request here of a, uh, an affliction in her body that the doctors have diagnosed which they say is incurable and I do say they say but that's not what our Lord Jesus says is it first time Sister Judy she also says it on this first time she's been able to be here together with the saints of God for 13 months Isn't that wonderful that God would grant the privilege to her? Can we just pray together? Lord, I lay my hands upon my sister here today. Father, you see this condition that the doctors have diagnosed in her body, and it concerns her brain. Part of it will work, and part of it won't. Lord, we... We've heard today of how you want your people to be your icons, your image reflecting in our lives. As believers, we join our faith together with our sisters. It's just so wonderful to see them again today. I've missed them so much, Lord. We love them. I lay my hands on her in your stead I I could spend a half an hour telling you I'm so unworthy I'm this and that and you know that already and you know that's the way I feel but I've got a little bit of a crown on my head today so I'm going to say I'm standing here in your stead Lord Jesus glory be to God I lay my hands on her in the name of Jesus Christ Heavenly Father touch Sister Judy now I pray Lord God, you suffered stripes so our sister could be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, may this condition leave her body. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Crown her sinking today, Father, with that revelation. Lord, if nothing but a small pebble moves on the other side of the mountain, she speaks to this mountain today. Be thou removed and cast into the sea. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We don't need to see it because it's on the other side of the mountain, but a little small grain of sand starts tumbling down. The mountain is doomed. Hallelujah. The mountain is doomed because the first grain of sand responded to a pulsation of faith. That's the way we believe your word, Father. Strengthen them both, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Draw. 
what you want. I want what you want for me, dear Lord, whatever.
I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from every fear for those who look on him are radiant never be ashamed never be ashamed this poor man cried, and the Lord heard me, and saved me from my enemy, the Son of God, surrounds His saints, He will deliver them, He will deliver them. Let's magnify, magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt His name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt His name. and see that the Lord is good oh blessed is he who hides in him oh fear the Lord all you say he'll give you everything he'll give you everything Exalt His name to give. 
to believe chosen to believe amen he chose you to believe this message oh hallelujah that ought to make you shout this morning he chose us to believe this what the world scoffs at and laughs at and makes fun of but he chose you before the foundation of the world and placed you in this hour to say amen to his word eh? hallelujah oh what a privilege it is friends to know the truth ye shall know the truth he shall make us free blessed be the name of have we had church today friends oh hallelujah hallelujah amen glory be to god praise the lord i don't know what to do <laughs> run shout cry jumps up my Oh, it feels so good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Think how much he loves you, friends. How rich we are this morning. We're a rich people. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is good. God bless you richly. I guess we'll just close. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. My heart, Lord, is, is so full. 
is so full this morning, Lord. I don't know how to express what I feel, Lord. But I love you, Lord Jesus. I remember my mama telling me when I was a boy, we was poor. She said, son, you don't have a lot in this world but your name. But Lord, I found out this morning that I'm a part of another name, the family of God. Lord, we are so grateful this morning that you have chosen us, Lord, to express your riches through, to express your love through. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord, the word that we heard today. We take it into our hearts, Lord Jesus, as a precious, precious treasure. Lord, that it would bring forth much for your kingdom. Bless our precious brother Donnie, Lord. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you allowed us to sit under his ministry, Lord. We're so grateful for that, Father. We ask, Lord, that you'd bless him and strengthen him, dear God. Use him, Lord, in a greater way in the days ahead, Lord, as we near the things that's coming upon the earth, Lord. Give our brother wisdom, Lord Jesus. Give him revelation, Lord, to lead us, dear God. That, Lord, at that day, when all things are done, we all gather safely into your house, Lord. Until then, let us labor. Let us work, Lord. Be with your children today, Lord. Travel to their homes, watch over and protect them. A little bright around the world today. But you just send special blessings to them, Lord. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd bless our wife on her birthday today. Thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful wife you gave me. Lord, we just commit this service now into your hands for your glory. We thank you once again, Lord. Though thank you seems so inadequate. But yet, Lord, we thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. Oh, Lord, truly we have tasted of the Lord, and he is good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go with your people now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. We love you this morning. This is all your prayers. We'll be allowed to go back out on the field a little bit. Be gone the next six weekends, I think. We desire your prayers as we kind of forgot what it was to travel. <laughs> we'll try to go back out on the field some. So may the Lord richly bless you. Be your prayer. Sing us happy, buddy. God bless you, saints. Sure love you. I count it an honor to serve with you. I count it an honor to serve with you. Amen. Thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you came and changed my life Thought I was to die for 